We are the agent rainmaker community. We are a group of letting agents that have got together and said, you know what? We're not going to do it like we've always done it. We're going to do things differently. It was the most amazing experience. It was the best thing that we could have done. The little community that's been created, and it's amazing. You don't get that anywhere else. I think she's the patron saint of letting agents. Without her encouragement, I would never have done this. That is Agent Rainmaker. We see things differently. We see opportunities, not obstacles. So hello, welcome to the uh, Expert Business Masterclass. And we are here talking to Perry, who is an amazing businessman. He started at the very tender age of 21, just 10 years ago. And he has built an awesome business. But he, he says he's absolutely focused on his core values, which is giving great service and just generating great leads and making sure that everybody that works with him in his network is valuing their time and getting great fees. So I thought it was really essential that we got Perry on this, this chat here because he's got some great things to share about making sure that you're not just running a great business, but you're actually running a very profitable and sensible business that values your time. I think most of us in business realize that time is a, is a big thing and, and, and some of us perhaps don't charge enough for it. So Perry, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's very kind of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. So, so tell me, I mean, 21 Perry, that is really <laughs> young. What was that like starting in business at 21, 10 years ago? I mean, different time, different place, but how was it? I, it's weird because I was speaking to someone the other day as a fly flying about and um, I guess back then I was so, I was so your typical estate agent like I can I can sell every house in the country and it didn't really phase me it was only until you're in it for a good three or four years and you think shit like what have I actually done um, and I was way out of my debt to be fair but um, one thing that always brings me back to centre is that I'm a I'm a technically really good estate agent like there's not much that I'm particularly amazingly good at. Like I'm not a good builder. I don't build flat pack furniture, um, but I get a client from A to B as smoothly as possible with the most money in their pocket at the end of it. Um, so whenever you hit bad times, like I guess, like, like the business bumpy road, I always revert back to that. And that's, um, that's what's kept me. It's a fine art, really good estate agency. And I think people think that nowadays, because the tech age is here and a lot of stuff is, is you know, assisting agents, people think that it's taking over and is going to replace good agency. And I, I, I watch with admiration of what you do, because you don't you don't ever take away the personal skill set that people need to be good agents from. But you do use a lot of tech to kind of help you get there. So it's, it's never been more important to be a technically brilliant estate agent. So, you know, back 15, 20 years, like that's all going full circle. And I guess you talk about, you know, where it went from the big supermarkets to the everyone going to the butchers to them, to them realizing they want to go back to their local butchers. Like, I think that's probably how our, we're going as an industry. But the thing is with, with estate agency is um, it's just really the tech is there to make you more efficient, more effective with your time, to be able to charge more fees, to be able to handle less clients and earn just as good a living. I'd rather have one versus four clients and charge 2% and half a percent um, because I'm going to earn the same amount of money at the end of it. It was only a few years ago, actually. I'm trying to remember how many years ago because it just sent a blur. But I think it was about four years ago, maybe five years ago. And there was all this. It was a time Purple Bricks launched. And, and there was all these stories going about that a state agency was on the top whatever number I can't remember was list of businesses or industries that could be robotized. Do you remember that, Perry? Yeah, yeah. And How do you feel about that? I mean, can we go to a Tesco's online, sell your house here for 500 quid thing? Does that work as an estate agency service? 
Um, it will always work for a certain portion of the market, for sure. But you need to know what portion of the market you're, you're set up to serve. Like everyone assumes because you're an estate agent, you want to help everyone that's got a house to sell. Like that is wealth. That isn't, that isn't the case for us. We know who we don't work well with and we know who we serve really well. And until a machine can negotiate better than me, I've always got a job. But because that's the one skill I'm bringing to someone's house move, you know, forget the handholding, forget the phone, phone at whatever time, forget the WhatsApp groups, forget the pro photography, the right move, the premiums, the features. It's the, I'm going to get you a better price than Joe down the road because I've dedicated my time and my, and my life to study and negotiation and I'll get a better outcome than anybody else. How did you get into it, Perry? Did you, do you, did you fall into it or did you always, did you sort of ever since you were a kid say I dream of being an estate agent? Yeah. Yeah. I was 12 when I made the, my first business card. So <laughs> wow. Can you say that as if, yeah, as if when a kid, but absolutely. My mum's got a business card in her purse to this day, bless her. And it was, it's called powers, estate agents, surveyors and valuers. Oh. Back in the day, it was like, you were a surveying firm as well. Oh, that's amazing, isn't it? Mine and it was all because of um, when, you know, World Smallest Violin, single mum, moving house, bought her first place off the council. And then when she sold that and moved, um, I was quite involved with the house moving process because my dad weren't there. And they just brutally, I was 12, and I could just see how brutally they were handling her from a service perspective to the point where, I mean, she weren't, back then, she weren't particularly mentally stable anyway. So any kind of, um, she, I guess the property move was the straw that broke the camel's back a little bit. And she was close to a breakdown. And I was like, nah, man, this surely can't be how it, it surely it could be done better than this. How was my mum sitting there in tears outside a house when she's just been gazumped and you're just so brutal. Now I know clearly people gazump, people gazunder, sounds fall through and stuff, but the way she was handled was terrible. And so that's where the motivation come from. Wow. Did you work for somebody first, Perry? Did you start off working in an estate agency and then progress to, to setting up on your own? Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting because when I was 15, I'd done work experience with, um, oh, I will say it, Cubit and West, Dan and Crawley. And it opened my eyes quite a lot because then I started to see, you know, there's a lot of great things happened in that work experience. But the one thing that sticks in my mind is I was 15 years old on work experience and we got you know, atypical estate agent walk into a viewing 10 minutes later he's like here mate sit down put your feet up for a minute they won't be here for another 10 minutes oh. and we were sitting there with his feet on the coffee table oh. and it was great because I could because he didn't know my motivation behind wanting to become an estate agent and I was like yeah this is easy pickings ain't gonna be hard to be a good estate agent and <laughs> from there I kind of went from work experience to working with a small independent when I was 15 on Saturdays to full time on Saturdays uh, when I was 16, to then through the ranks there for a couple of years. My last move, I, I launched the first Surrey office of Fine and Country um, when that was first opening, and then managed a branch for Andrews, and then just thought I need to be unshackled, I guess. I don't want to sign people in for 15, 20 weeks. Like, what's the point in that? That's, that's just committing someone to a contract when you shouldn't be doing it. So I wanted to stop my own way. And what made you stand out, do you think, as, you know, when you, you first decide you're going to set up on your own, all of us say, you know, I, I, I'm better, I'm going to do better, I'm going to be better, I'm going to be the better agent than anywhere I've ever worked before. What was it you felt that gave you the edge that were going to make you better than anybody you'd seen before, anywhere you'd worked before? I guess I was just so, 
there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, right? But I was really, and there's certain things that I'm really not confident about, which is like the business running side of it sometimes behind the scenes, which is why I get help. But I was so confidently arrogant that I'm the best estate agent that anyone's going to have in a living room that I, I think that tenacity, the youth, um, and my skill and ability, you know, I studied it like, like a doctor would study to do surgery, like the, the intricacies of a transaction and um, the kind of anti-stagnation plan and the pre-offer um, kind of checklist that you go through and all the detail that comes to getting the best outcome for a house. It was very easy just to put it on the table and say, look, don't panic. If things don't go to plan and we're not under offering four to six weeks, I'll kick in my anti-stagnation plan. Um, and I'm like, did they discuss that? And they'd look at me like, no, no. So it's not that hard to stand out. It really ain't. Did you ever get, because obviously you were young and I mean, I started an agency when I was young and um, I, you know, there is that sort of stigma that you get, you go into someone's living room and it's a great big five, six bedroom house and it, the couple's, you know, 50, 60 years old and they look at you and they think, who is this child here? Um, did you ever get that? And did you have to overcome that when you're in your early years? Yeah, yeah, loads. Mm. Um, and I was just, I'm a massive fan of, of kind of hitting it head on. So I always say to people, look, I know I'm probably the youngest person that you're going to be meeting to sell your house, but I can guarantee I'm the most committed. And it, there's my mobile number, 24-7. Like my life is, I'm a single bloke. I've got no children. That was back then, I've got three now. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but my life's about getting you moved. And, um, and I was probably a bit atypical as well, like thinking I was King Kong and I had a BM convertible and, you know, proper typical. Um, but luckily, my I think the way I dealt with clients shone through. I genuinely cared, not about the paycheck, about the outcome. And the great thing is that the paychecks come, don't they, when you start getting a better reputation as an agent. And I can honestly say that in 16 years, I could probably count the unsatisfied people in, you know, on one hand. And I've handled so many sales. And I'm proud of that because I'm the agent for agents. I don't particularly want to be this big national UK office for the worldwide brand of real estate. I just want to be an agent that improves agents. How did you know that when you so when you set up and you started moving, how did you know that that this was going to work? That this when was your sort of moment of success? Um, that you know that the, the turning point of when you went, yeah, this is this is it. Um, probably, You're still waiting for that. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm, touching, I'm hanging on as tight as I can as we're going. But, um, I think when I started to see that people really liked what we were offering, so we we were paying all the pro photography up front and the floor plans and the no contract period and the right move featured and all them silly little things that, you know, why sign a contract when you don't have to? Like, just give me a try. And if it don't work out, you can skip off to them with one minute's notice. Like, there ain't no 14-day notice. And since then, it's just... I've been really fortunate that year one, I was probably year one, I was on my own. Then I got an assistant, then I got my first agent. And it's just, we've just brought on agents to um, to combat the demand as we've grown, if that makes sense. I kind of done it a little bit, asked about it, because some people would, would get all the marketing in place and then like bring on the agent. Um, but we didn't have way around. We're at the minute we're at capacity, all our agents are they're at capacity from an agent number, uh, from a client number, They've all got decent pipelines. They're all carrying a certain amount of property value stock for sale. So now we've got space for some more. Fantastic. What, would you say there's one thing that 
you you did that almost rocket fueled the business that that made I call it the acres of diamonds moment that moment you thought wow that worked and it just absolutely transformed the way you did something you were going along a certain way you did something and it's like wow that was the thing and what was it started negotiating clients purchases for them okay mm-hmm. and that's I'm a massive champion for you know are you a a true estate agent or are you just a selling agent there's a massive difference we can all flick a house on right move get a few viewings take a few offers and get it exchanged but to me an estate agent is someone that handles a client's estate affairs and that includes their selling in Rygate buying in Cornwall my job ain't done until you've got the keys to house in Cornwall on the best possible terms and that might be the lowest price that I can negotiate it might be the time scales like that onward negotiation service that we now call the power negotiator service um, is immense. It's last in 2019 alone, it put hundred grand on our bottom line from direct, um, direct negotiations that we had handled for our clients. Um, but probably 200 grand in where it helps us get our 2% fees or 1.75% fees. Cause we're including that as part of the service. So it's guys, amazing how many agents don't just don't even think about it, see it like that, or, or touch that whole end of the deal, isn't it? It's well, for guys that are listening that are not agents. What what Perry's explaining here is he's keeping the chain in flow, aren't you? You're keeping it going because if if you're buying a property and yet the property they're buying falls through or there's a problem, the whole chain's going to fall apart. So what you're describing there is keeping everybody's deals in transaction so I, i'm guessing when you're buying or you're working with the property they're buying there's an agent somewhere do hopefully you, do you find, because it well yeah do you find that you're chipping on toes in any way or do they just let you get on with it it's really and it's really hard because typically agents in the uk it's like who's got the biggest chest or puffed out chest and you know or and as soon as you start to realize that everyone's your colleague like it sounds a bit out there doesn't it like we're all part of the same industry but genuinely like that agent's got a client that wants to move. I've got a client that wants to move. I'm going to get my client a better outcome. You just don't know it yet because I'm a better negotiator than you. But let's try and come to an agreement where everyone's happy. Mm. But the onward negotiation service is it's really, really important, particularly in this market. And, and I think it relates to any business, not just state agency, to make sure that you've got, you're maximizing your revenue stream from your current clients. A lot of the time, um, clients might come to us and say I've seen this house like just recently we had an inquiry on our website um someone's seen a house in Cambridge he's a doctor really busy at the minute believe it or not and he said I really need someone's expertise and help to help me secure this house in Cambridge um so Mel one of our agents took him on as a client and she negotiated him like 75 grand off the asking price then we feel great about that because that seller had an agent in Cambridge, a Cambridge-based estate agent who they were being paid a commission to get them the best outcome on the sale. We were being paid by our client, the buyer, to get them the best outcome on the purchase. Just so happened that we got the 75 grand off the asking price. So it's really good. That's awesome. And would you say that um, there's been any real big lows or, I mean, in, in businesses, loads of challenges. We all know that anyone in business knows that these obstacles come out as 24-7. I mean, can you remember a time where you perhaps thought, what the hell have I done? Why have I done this? This is just hard work. Was there a moment like that? Last night? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I think, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because people think, I get messages from people and they're like, oh my God, man, it looks like you're doing amazing. Like, 
And I'm like, you realize we're all in the same country and the same market and things are pretty, there's great things going on, but don't get me, but there's also really shit things going on as well. Um, but probably my lull was mid 2017 when I had realized that I had lost 50 grand year to date because I go off on a tangent, right? I've got great ideas every single day and I'll just go off. The team love it and hate it at the same time. Um, but I went off on a tangent. I didn't have my numbers nailed. I wasn't running profitably. I was just growing and thinking, yeah, let's do this. And midway through the year, I realized like, I was like, hang on, that can't be right. Cause, but I wasn't doing the accounting properly or I let my accountant make mistakes, but it's really my fault as a business owner. And yeah, it's a real bad, either had to fold the business, I guess, cause I didn't have any money or self-funded um, or make some tough decisions as a business owner and leader um, and make some big changes, which I did. I had to, um, didn't get rid of anyone. I was determined for my cock-ups not to put everybody in the, in the shit to get rid of people, but everyone took a pay cut. Um, our agent commission splits had to change overnight. And I'm so grateful that we didn't lose any of the team because of that. Um, got back on the straight and narrow, um, just doing amazingly well. And then, we are where we are now. So it's um, who who knows for the future. But I think what I've learned is that just expect the bumps and then they're not going to be such a big kick in the nuts when they happen, are they? Yeah, so many people go into business and they think it's a happy ever after. And um, it so is not the happy ever after. Anybody in business will tell you there is many bumps, obstacles and challenges. And it's how you deal with them actually really makes you as a, a success or not as a success. So well done on that. That sounds like a, a tough time that you had there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the best bits of advice I ever got was when I said to someone, oh, yeah, I'll start my own business. And they're like, oh, oh, good. Strap yourself in. I was like, what? They were like, yeah, yeah. Have you been on a roller coaster ride before? I was like, oh, I don't really like a park. And then it was like, well, that's what it's going to be like. You're going to go up and you're going to go down and you go up, but just ride that middle range and you'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about the up and down and the roller coaster, obviously it's been quite a, a roller coaster that we've all been through in the last four months is it four months it feels like 400 years that with this is all yeah what have you guys been doing what have you been doing and what sort of how have you changed adapted prospered you know what tell us about the last few months so it's been amazing really like from from a our team have been amazing um because of all our agents are self-employed partners nobody was on was off you know everyone was working still they're all self-employed agents they had clients that still needed them and they really bossed up and they and they just cracked through um we only from our office team we only made two people on put uh, on furlough and have three on furlough um the girls in the office have been great because there's still incoming stuff happening and i've heard horror stories of people just shutting their phones off and shutting the shop for like two months and clients are left like what's going on i just couldn't see it i couldn't do that to our clients um but ultimately, it's been all about um, making sure that we've got, that we're pushing out onward negotiation service even more. Like, we've done great on that, and I'm helping agents across various places of the country implement it in their agency, because I really think that can be what's going to save businesses, potentially, if the transaction volumes really do fall. Um, but from a business operation perspective, I've been focused way more on the platform we operate on so we've moved over to salesforce so we've used all that time to go deep with salesforce which has been a bit of a eye-opener but well worth it um our marketing so we've 
my proposition to the market, I guess, with the barrage of different self-employed models that are now popping up everywhere, is that I really want our brand to be generating at least half of our agents' appraisal opportunities. Um, and so they're not just joining a platform, they're, they're joining a place that's actually getting them business for them as well. So marketing funnels and stuff, I know that Sally talks about the kind of scalable, predictable marketing for new agents when we onboard them. Um, and apart from that, we were fairly, apart from the market being paused, we're quite lucky where we are in the southeast. We've got a good property price, a good average fee on the whole, minus the odd bottom feeders out there that everybody's got. Um, and I think we've, we've weathered it really well. What would you say from for the estate agents and, and letting agents listening? What's the key things that you think has made you successful? What's the key elements of the business? Is it is it the marketing? Is it the sales? Is it the service? Which, if you had to pick one, what would it be? Do you know, I was thinking this last night about knowing I'd be chatting to you two today, and um, I think it's the the culture. Like, so I'm really. I'm so pleased with how the culture has manifested itself almost. Some people think I'm a genius and just got this really tenacious, good looking brand of modern estate agency. And it's just happened like that. I'm no expert. We've got a couple of values that we really stick to, but the rest of the culture is a really helpful team of self-employed agents, a really supportive team of agent assistants in the office. But I'm just, I don't know if this is the right word, but, I'm kind of obsessed and obsessive. So I'm very obsessed by this industry to the point of I obsess over it. And I'll be sitting on my laptop at one o'clock writing a new blog or advice guide or make sure your agent's got an anti-stagnation strategy and all this kind of stuff. And that's just how we're known for putting out really good content. And that's started with me, I guess, because I just wanted to educate not to choose that dodgy estate agent. And it's quite easy not to choose them if you ask the right questions and shop properly and that kind of stuff. Um, and our team now are doing more content and following that kind of, we serve first with great advice and we kind of footnotes are like, and if you want some help on how to do it, give us a call. It's not like call us and we'll share our anti-stagnation strategy. You can download it off the website. And would you say so, so culture is a is a is a core thing and and a really important thing? And yet, so many people are very late to the party in thinking about culture. What would you say to someone who's just thinking, "Oh, that's woolly stuff. I, I just that's just waffle and piffle. I need hard, I need leads. I need I need income. I need money. I need whatever." Now, why should they put that first? Why should they put that ahead of everything else? What's really interesting is I didn't actually know what culture we had until someone told me what culture we had. And, and this come from my business coach who's, who's helped me so much get out of the deep shit and onto where we are going. Um, and it talks about the four different types of culture um, where you've got your parental style culture, where it's like, I'm your boss, do this. I'm your dad, do, do what you're told. You've got your um, toxic culture when no one likes them ones clearly. Um, you've got a family culture, which I like my team, but I've got a family. And then you've got your performance culture, which is where the team fit in. And we're really focused on a performance culture of, if you need me, I'm on the phone all the time, but go and get that seller over asking price. You know, We're tracking on our new dashboards of our new CRM, like our average percentage of original list price, not just the percentage of marketing price agreed. Like we're really hot on days on market. Um, because that performance is, is 
I always say to people that it's so easy to be an estate agent. Like it really, to me, it's, 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 it's an unqualified industry. It's unregulated at the minute. You can just, it, anyone can do it. But it's freaking hard to be a remarkable one. And it's that performance, in my view, which makes you a really good one. And I guess because you're, you're giving them an absolute focus and the focus is performance and success and achieving the numbers. And then I guess you're rewarding and recognizing and all those sort of things for that performance so really it's the culture but also the focus that culture is giving you as focusing on the right things toxic people are focusing on bitching about people family it's putting being connected before actual performance so i think you're absolutely right i think that's cracking anybody who hasn't worked in their culture i think it's definitely worth doing we have i mean this and it's a bit brutal you know when i say we're not a family i mean because i don't think any of our team want a family either they've got a family they've got friends and family and kids and wives and they come to they come to excel succeed achieve like that's what we should be here for um but we have great you know our half year summer party and award ceremony for you know the highest percentage of asking price achieved all year and that kind of stuff it's really we hire boats and have a little you know tipple when it's really good fun um and I, my general feeling on everything is it has to be fun yet focused. I'm a, quite serious at times, like I'm because it's serious what we're doing. We've got people's lives in our hands and their house moves, but you've got to have a laugh doing it and don't take yourself too seriously. Absolutely. And I know that one of the things that you focus on, sorry, Kate, is is fees and making sure that you're getting a high level of fees. Why do you feel many estate agents don't focus on fees because obviously there's been this talk of there being a fee war and some people cutting prices and other people going up and other people going down what is the difference between an agent that charges low fees and high fees and how can someone transition from one to the other because no matter what business you're in it's so important to charge what you're worth first and foremost but also what the business needs you to earn to actually make a living and make a profit and yet so many people miss this bit so i think this is really a key element perry Fees are a really interesting one because I've had like hate messages like, oh, my God, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing the fees up for agencies and, and you shouldn't be doing that. One guy was like, I charge how much I have, you know, need to get by. And I'm like, mate, you set your sights higher then. Like if people will pay for good value and it's what you value yourself at. Now, I'm not going to put 16 years of commitment to excellence for, for, for half a percent. It's just not going to happen. Um, so it's, it's, it is about what you need to charge, but I'm, I'll be pushing my minimum fees, 10,000 quid to handle someone's house move. And I'm quite content if I don't want to pay it. Cause I know somebody will in the next couple of weeks, mm. you know, or like you say, it's not volume either. Is it? It's not let, you know, just take it all on because you can just because, you know, it's better than not having a listing or better not, but it's actually, it's actually not because you'd rather do one for the same money that, you know, you could do four or five. Right. Yeah. So there's a little, you got to account for your attrition rates and you will get withdrawals no matter what. You will have sales fall through no matter what. So you've got to have enough volume in order to make sure you're going to bank some money. But you don't need, you know, 25, 30 clients at a time. You know, our, our capacity rate is 15 for sale, 15 in the pipe. And that is pushing it given the amount of kind of expectation and commitment that we put to every single sale. Like every Monday, everyone gets a full market review using Loom videos about what's going on. Um, every Friday's prospecting day, like it's real structure to our to our high performing weeks. Um, but fees are fees volume ain't going up. Put it that way. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do well and 
earn better and have a better quality of life, then your fees have got to go up. There's no, there's no other way around it. Do you find that because you work, and I want to ask you a little bit about the self-employed model a little bit, because uh, obviously there is a lot of talk about that recently, but do you find that it's easier for people to stand by their work and stand by their fees when they work for themselves or are responsible for themselves? It's really interesting because you would you would have thought so, but they're also shitting themselves that they're not going to any money in three or four months' time. So they've, it's a real... It, it, it's just... I don't think it, what I say to our guys or, or anybody with any agency model, employed, self-employed, it doesn't matter about what, what method you, I just choose to partner with agents because I really love coaching rather than being someone's boss, you know, generally. It's actually more financially worse for us because if someone puts in 200 grand a year in, in bankings, I could probably pay them 60, 70 grand a year, whereas they'll be earning more like 100 grand a year, which is, you know, half what they bank. But I just prefer the model of working with partners but it is if someone's employed and and they're not banking you're not going to keep them employed so it's just each of their own it's not for everyone I don't think it's going to be as popular as everyone's claiming it you know some people are claiming it's going to be in the next five ten years um I don't need 100 agents I'll be quite happy with 15 we've got 10 at the minute we've got a few more spaces open for more agents to join we're in a good position where we've got 18 on the waiting list and I'll have one or two more join in the next few months, most likely. And so we do just... you have like a recruitment process for these these people that you're working with? Do you take them through tests or make them work in the job for a bit? Or what, what do you do? Or do you just interview them? What, what's your process for taking these people on? Yeah, so interestingly, um, since I put our kind of join us page on the website and it's a waiting list because we, we're not just onboarding someone who's prepared to give us a couple hundred quid a month. Like we, it's very, we've got a space in that area um our agents don't particularly compete with each other that's a real tricky one like everyone gets their own core patch and which is one town um mm. in the southeast near our office and then over and above that they can fight amongst themselves they can all just go scrapping for in the town next door but there is quite a strict process like i'll have a couple of video calls with people first then i'll take a talent dynamics test to kind of see where they would fit into the team dynamics of what we've currently got um the self-employed model, I think you run the risk of just growing a load of different people just being part of the same brand. But we really want a connected kind of team of people that are on the same page, um, which is why we don't need 150, 200 agents. And I don't want that. If we can do a million, 1.5 from this office and I can add my bit to the industry in other ways as well, I'll be happy. I had a call the other week from a guy looking to, he said, just want to join your franchise waiting list. And I'm, I, I kind of said, I'm really sorry, but we're not planning on franchising the business. And it's like, oh, you're mad. You'd be way more successful. And it's like, that's interesting, but what's your definition of success? Like, I've just bought my house. I drive a nice car. I've got three lovely kids. And I don't want to be driving up to Blackpool twice a week, to be honest. I'm quite happy to stay down here. And I was like, all right, well, give me a call if anything changes. <laughs> so what is the future for Perry then? Where, where are we going? 10 years from now, where do you want to be? still selling a house or two so one of my i've flickered between listing houses not listing houses when i don't list a house for six months because i'm tied up with operational stuff or getting trying to get a marketing bang on to create more predictability i tend to go in a bit depressed so i'm going to always have a couple of clients because i love the nigging the kind of marketing reviews the viewing feedback um 
And to be honest, I don't know, because we're nearly at that North Star for me, which was a million pound in revenue with, with a decent profit margin. Um, I'll probably wipe out that profit margin by spending a load of money on something that I really shouldn't do at some point for the business. But I'm just really enjoying seeing agents grow in different areas of the country. I've got no intention of ever putting offices or agents. I'm, I'm power bespoke is going to stay very Southeast based. We've not even scratched the surface of the Southeast. So I don't even know why I would want to go put an agent up in Preston or something, for example. Um, but yeah, keep, keep just improving the industry. One move, one experience at a time. Sounds to me like you still, your happy place. Yeah, you still operate as an agent then in your own right, selling and helping people buy houses and sort of dealing with the everyday. Do you think that's important to keep you sort of grounded, keep you abreast of what's going on, what people are saying, what's happening, that kind of thing? Yeah, like so I, we had these, these power planners produced, right? So this is our, for like a high performing agent, you kind of daily planner. And I can't expect someone to use that and live off it if I'm not living off it of myself. So every Monday I've got what deals I'm tying up, what what this new one for you that I invented is called what deals to re reignotiate. Reignotiate, love it. Okay, yeah. I like that one. <laughs> like that one. So we've got all that in there, and I'm a. I kind of want to do it myself. I really do. I want to show them it works, so they can just follow the process. Um, and I really love it. I, I, I love sitting in the living room and telling someone else to get the highest price for their house. It's, it's, it's what's cut me open. And there's like pro photography, feature property, negotiation. Oh, born estate agent, aren't yeah, you? They yeah. are rare. They are <laughs> rare. It's great that you found what you actually love doing because so many people never do. So to be at your age and to actually have found it and to have reached it is an absolute phenomenal story. So how could people contact you and reach out to you if they wanted to find you? Where was the best place to get you? I have got some questions as well if we've got sure, some. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Facebook, please. LinkedIn ain't my bag. I've already, I, I, I log in and I've got about 25,000 messages people I've never even met before. Trying to sell you SEO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in mail. So Facebook's the best place for me. My, my profile is public and open, my personal profile. I've got a Facebook page. You can check out some free training on there. I've just put together a really cool, this lockdown period made me realise that I'm just an estate agent and I'm quite proud of it. And I really want to help other agents get better. Um, so I put together an hour's free worth of training, which is just the training is mental, great training. And yeah, hit me up. Love to chat. So if they message you, you'll send them that training. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think it's on my profile, to be fair. It's just a free training and they cool. click it and they're in. Awesome. Brilliant. Kate, over to you. So uh, Tom Sohn has asked, uh, hey Perry, cheers for sharing all this. Can I ask, when did you first set in stone that you wouldn't charge less than 2% and what made you decide to get rid of all the lower fee payers? We just did the same, so interested in, in any sort of challenges they, you might have faced. So interesting thing, really important I preach is um, I'm not a percentage snob. Mm -hmm. I will charge 1% on a million pound house. You know, still <laughs> 10 grand of anyone's money. Um, it's just how much you're working for. I think you've got to set that as your, um, this is because the whole time you're not working for two or three grands, you've got more time freed up to go and get the four, five, six, seven grands. And the whole time you're working for two, three, four grand, you ain't going to get the time to go and get the four, five, six, seven grand. So just make a decision and commit. Like as long as you've got a strategy around that decision. So I'm going to, I don't turn any property away. So Another thing that people talk about, I see some of these agencies that 
only deal with a higher end of the market and I'm really not a fan of that. I will sell, help anyone move, but what I charge to do it, it might be four or 5% on a 200 grand house. And I've had situations over my time as an agent where I've sold the parents for a million or more. And then the kids come back and say, they want to sell their flat, their one bed flat that they bought a couple of years ago. And if I said, look, really sorry, love, your dad's house was all right. I can't deal with your little flat. Then that's just corroding the whole relationship and I've kissed goodbye. But I would charge them probably eight grand like I charge the parents 10 grand. Um, so yeah, don't, don't, don't be a percentage snob. Help people, just set your, set your value where it needs to be. And for all the times you lose a client, you are going to lose loads. That's, that's totally fine. But that gives you time to get better and not losing them. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you, Tom. I hope that helped you there. Fantastic. Any other questions, anyone, guys? We've got some time if anyone wants to ask. This has been fascinating. I think it's great. I just want to ask you about the self-employed model a little bit. Um, when did you decide to put that in? Because I'm presuming you didn't start your agency was six years ago. Is that right? Um, and immediately come into that with that business model. So what made you change that? And how did you change that? And why? It's quite quick. It's probably probably for three of those six years we've only run self-employed model as in options for agents our first agent was employed um only because he come from countrywide and he was battered and beaten and he didn't have the confidence to be self-employed so i was like look just just give me eight ten months come on board do well and then we'll switch you into self-employed and then you can go and live your own agenda like because what i love about the self-employed model is um so James joined us, amazing estate agent. I still really hang on his opinion to this day. He's still with us, first agent. I'm really proud of our retention rate because that's something that my personal kind of internal KPI is that we're not just bringing agents in and losing them out the back door. Um, but then he came to me and said, look, I really want to focus. He's self-employed. He said, look, I've, 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 I feel bad on you because we're so busy, but I just want to focus on land. I was like, wicked. Like, I'm so pleased. Crack on. Don't worry about me because we'll have some other agents that will come on board to plug the gap. But understand that when you're not earning no money in six months time, potentially, because land deals take a long time to go through, live and die by your own decisions. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So it, 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 it's, it's a different mindset. So the agents are my clients as much as the home sellers are. Um, they're not my staff or my people that work for me. Um, Power Bespoke's got two clients that we've got to try and serve in the best way possible the agent and the home mover. Um, I think there's some brands out there that they only see their client. They are only set up to serve the agent, but I don't believe that's the right way to do it. Um, and yeah, I just really prefer working with partners, seeing them grow, seeing their confidence, getting that two, that the first time an agent gets 2% and we're public, like on our website, it says our fees are 2%, 2.4%. I put them up to, to mirror the lettings legislation if you've got to include VAT and I've done the same on sales um before every appraisal everyone gets a link to an email to our page that's got our fees on it and stuff so we're not making it hidden um when they come back they bounce through that door with their first ever two percent in their career and it was just because they're worth it they've got the tools that they need to get it um and we don't hide the fact that we're we're a bit more than, ever, than everyone else I always liken it that you've got agents that are half a percent, you've got Foxtons that are 2.5% plus that. We're somewhere in the middle. We'll talk about it when we pop around and see you next week. Nice. I like it. 
Fantastic. Um, another question, if you don't mind. Um, do you work, do you do lettings is a question. And if yes, do you have any tips on adding value to charge more? Uh, not that they need, not that Tom needs any more ideas to add value. Thanks to Sally, but any more tips are useful. <laughs> Tom. Well, I messaged Sally about 18 months ago. So I've really got to get over to one of your events. Because <laughs> our, and I won't even try and answer that question because yes, we do do lettings and it accounts for seven, eight, maybe 10% of our revenue. Um, just ticking over but you know houses we don't sell we put them on to let i'm all qualified so i do get how to do it but not in new world i ain't probably done lettings for 10 years we've always had it as we look after our landlords but we're not wanting to set the world alight but this corona situation has, has probably taught me that i might want to change that view and i want to start putting this letting side on on a bit of rocket fuel so as soon as the next one let me know and i'll be straight there well, you're always welcome on our boot camp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, Perry. I'll sort you out with that. Awesome, guys. You've been amazing. Thank you, Perry. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have one hell of a schedule. I know you've been live most of today, so you probably deserve it. <laughs> nice drink and a rest after this. But thank you so much. And thank you, everybody tuning in, wherever you are, whether you're in the Facebook groups or on the pages, or if you're listening to this on the podcast or the recording later on today, whatever, you have just been listening to the one and only, the amazing Perry Power, the guy that I think talks so much sense around the estate agency World. we just had to have him on the show so thank you so much for joining us today enjoy the rest of your day and good luck with your plans for the future thank you Perry. thank you perry thank you, thank you, perry. Thank you. take care see you later bye, bye. bye.